0: Uh, Welcome everyone. My name is Damian Shield. I'm the Senior Director at the Center for Medical Simulation and I am the organizer of this series, which is our weekly webinar, an online learning series that we started as we were facing the COVID-19 pandemic, trying to uh, connect with all of you, uh, really be in your professional and personal lives and also benefit from the interaction and joy that we get from working together and from learning together. And I think uh, the purpose of the series is embodied in today's presentation, uh, which I will ask Jenny Rudolph, our executive director, to uh, introduce and also moderate a Q&A panel towards the end of the session. I will be uh, here with you throughout uh, in the background And uh, I'm really look forward to learning alongside with you. As you go through the um, experience with us today, do interact with us through the Q&A button. You can use that question and answer section of the Zoom to let us know who you are, where you're from, what you're thinking about, how you're reacting to the panelists, Uh, Jenny and myself will be Uh, taking notes, responding to you, and bringing your questions to life uh, at the end uh, to talk with our panelists here. At the end, we'll have a few closing words, and I'm so glad you're joining today from whatever time zone you're at. It's here. It's uh, the end of the day. We've just had a beautiful sunset, and uh, and that's a wonderful thing. So without further ado, Jenny, uh, the stage is yours.
1: Thank you. Welcome everybody. My name is Jenny Rudolph. I'm the executive director at the Center for Medical Simulation, uh, which is a program that serves the Harvard teaching hospitals as well as developing simulation faculty and working to solve key simulation problems, actually key clinical excellence challenges and problems around the world using simulation. I'm thrilled today to be here with Amelia Rudolph who happens to be my sister As well as Rebecca Meinhart, who is a close colleague of mine in the Department of Anesthesia, Critical Care, and Pain Medicine uh, here at Massachusetts General Hospital. So, Rebecca Meinhart is an obstetric anesthesiologist at MGH. She also happens to lead our anesthesia, crisis resource management, and teamwork courses here at the Center for Medical Simulation, working with faculty and residents throughout the Harvard hospitals. She's also led our obstetric anesthesia fellowship at MGH in the past and has been very involved in doing research on how do we humans keep our brains working and our colleagues functioning in crises, primarily in the peri-op environment. She's worked really hard over the last nine months during the COVID pandemic, bringing this expertise to bear on helping herself and colleagues Manage our patients who are COVID positive in the periop and labor and delivery environments. So I'm really delighted to have Rebecca here because she has this particular expertise that bridges clinical challenges and excellence with teamwork, communication, and self management. On the other side of things, we're here with Amelia Rudolph, who Uh, founded an organization called Bandaloop, which was one of the very first vertical dance organizations in the world. So Amelia and her teams perform on such venues as El Capitan, the Space Needle in Seattle. And what Amelia has studied and done for many years is how do you create dance in the context of inherently risky situations where you have to manage belaying people, where you have to manage climbing and where you're dancing in environments that are vertical rather than horizontal. Something that people generally don't really think of as a dance floor. And so what Amelia and Rebecca are gonna bring together for us today is their unique mojo on how do you ground yourself, work as a team and do things excellently in clinically demanding environments and uh, aerially demanding environments. Welcome, Amelia and Rebecca.
2: Thank
1: you. Thank you so
2: much for the lovely introduction. I'm gonna share my slides now to start. Uh, It's such an honor to be with you tonight. Uh, And as Jenny said, what what a lovely summary of the work that we've been doing and continue to do, Amelia and I, Um, We're really excited to bring this topic to you because I think it's so fundamental to how we perform in times of intense stress, emergencies, uh, danger in our environments that really COVID-19, the COVID pandemic has really brought to light for us. And so I was really excited to work with Amelia on this and, and become linked up with her because I think that the types of things that she has to offer, medicine thinking about how does she work in the and manage her team in the very dangerous environments that she works in and creates beautiful artistic expressions in how can we learn from that amelia would you like to say a few words before we begin
1: just really yeah
2: thank
3: you rebecca thanks jenny and everybody um i'm thrilled to be here it's really fun to um, take the experience that i have and focus it in an environment that's different from the one I'm used to. I feel like the experience of working with Rebecca has taught me so much um, mm-hmm. about what your world is like and what my world is like, and I can't wait to share some of our, dea- our ideas with the group today. I don't want to take up too much time right now, so why don't we just keep No,
2: going. it's fine. Yes, and I just want to point out the title is different than what the webinar was. <laughs> that was that was our, uh, you know, sort of our massaging, what are these concepts? And so as we talk about it, we were even practicing yesterday and saying how we're still emerging, our understanding is still coming um, about some of these things and how they might apply to clinical situations, to other areas of life. And so. Uh, so just so you know, that's, you know, sort of that was intentionally, we changed the title because we felt like that captured sort of more of the essence of what we were looking for, Um, just not in a timely way to (laughs) advertise. Um, We are going to be covering uh, these two main areas over the next 40 minutes or so. So we really want to dive into thinking about preparation. And I have the, the paradigm of the complex high-risk patient situation. That's, What I most want to focus on, the daily life, the daily activities, these techniques can also be applied there. It doesn't have to just be for the risky situations, but when the risk is high, that's when everybody needs to be really dialed up on their teamwork practices and using these elite teamwork moves. And the second part, this keeping yourself resilient and fresh, prepared for the threats are not going, that are not going away anytime soon. This is something that has emerged also, I think, with the weight of the pandemic and how long it's been going on, it just is continuing to be there. We're starting to see a little light at the end of the tunnel, but, but I think even so, um, there are going to be threats in our environment, whether we recognize them explicitly or not. And I think these techniques to help keep ourselves fresh and resilient are so vital to help, helping our teams come together and perform at their best. So I'm gonna be playing videos. So I apologize if the videos are choppy. I'm gonna be shutting off my video too just to allow for bandwidth.
3: So going to work may not look like this for you, um, but it does for me. And you might be asking yourself, what does a choreographer have to offer the delivery of emergency care? I think that's a reasonable question. (laughs) But I'd like to say that as you watch um, this video, which is myself and a colleague dancing on City Hall in Oakland, um, what you will see is that we're using, we're setting ourselves in a situation that requires a lot of risk management in order to allow us to have the freedom and to do what you're seeing. Look at the look on his face. You know, we are not worrying about our safety right now. We're unfortunately a little jumpy there, but we are busy dancing. Um, And in order to be expressive and creative and capable, we have to set up the environment before we go out there so that we can be able to be that way. In my world, I work with a team of people where we are basically literally and figuratively a high performing team in the air, but also we have to work together very closely to do our best in high risk situations. So that is why I am here today is to share my experience and knowledge of these types of situations with you, but translate them into your world in a way that hopefully will bring some fresh perspective to to your world So you can feel like that maybe (laughs) when you are going to work. No, maybe not, but to bring some fresh perspective to what it's like to be in an environment that where you're managing risk at this level. I'm very excited to find a way um, in the next 35 minutes or so with Rebecca to talk about these things. And I look forward to your questions at the end.
2: Thank you. Um, so I just love those videos because I, I just always, I just can't even imagine the freedom and the the danger that are inherent there. And speaking of danger, uh, you know, the COVID pandemic really, I think, drove through the illusion that many of us were under that our environments were safe. There was always actually the threat of you know, violence in the workplace or some communicable disease coming coming at us uh, and spreading, but it was not on the large, wide scale, uh, sort of pervasive feeling as it is it is in the pandemic. And so suddenly, everything became threatening for for me as a clinician, as an anesthesiologist doing aerosolizing gen, uh, aerosol generating procedures. Uh, you know, the, the bulk of trying to keep not only my patients safe but also the weight of trying to keep my team members safe was really incredible. And it's it, it, really pretty impressive. And burnout was already high as we went into this. And this just dialed up the, the stress levels for everyone. And this little video is just to show not only are we taking care of patients, um, we're not only taking care of patients, but we're also scrambling to get our gear on. and And so as you can see, uh, the only way that we're all safe is by putting on these multiple layers of gear.
1: Great.
2: And so this was just a little clip of a video that we filmed in a context of learning how do we, Make our t- how do we better prepare our teams for this type of emergency care where this is again a simulation? So I'm not rushing on the left side of the screen as fast as actually a real patient might be, uh, and yet still the people who are going to be accepting this patient are not yet ready. So as I was mired in this pandemic, uh, I started to apply a technique, which is circle up, and it's these deliberate conversations that we've actually written about, and I'll share the the citation in a minute, but it's these deliberate conversations that help people and teams come together to be prepared. The talk is not going to be about this specifically, but this is just where some of these training videos and some of the work with Amelia is how I got started on this process. So I I think it's important for the story, Uh, but the circle up method really describes starting out the day with a briefing or huddle where you go through what are the things that you need to know In order to do your work and so as I was doing this in our OB anesthesia environments within our teams we realized that we didn't have a good solution to take care of somebody who shows up with possible COVID and then needs to be emergently cared for when all of the people have to come together and you only have about five minutes to for example, deliver the baby so that mom and baby are safe. And so that's where this work started. So I got this idea that I should be choreographing uh, the the whole process, the workflow. Um, and boy, where were my eyes opened when I started talking to Amelia. So I'll just finish out the rest of this and then we'll go back to that idea of choreographing or drilling for certain types of procedures. In Circle Up, the other i the other items are these micro check micro check-ins to help the team become resilient to check in and psychologically support other people see how things are going and then debriefings to close out the day and help people disengage as well as capture essential learning and again this talk is not going to be focused solely on this here's the citation we were fortunate to have uh, an audience in new england journal catalyst and so I think I refer to you to to learn more about it through this. Uh, It's a really powerful method. Um, But so we decided that essentially uh, through this, I decided with my team that we should really be uh, choreographing out each step. Um, And so I'm gonna play a little video of, this is a training video that arose from that. Um, And after we created the video, I actually contacted Amelia. So I'll play the video and then I'll reflect a little bit on Amelia, what you taught me about thinking about uh, sequencing of steps or, t, uh, p, you know, p, parts of care as choreographed rather than something else. So I'm just going to share this and notice that we're in all this PPE. We have all these other things we have to deal with. So just, it's just for you to watch. to induce is that all right yeah okay anyone who doesn't have full ppe needs to leave right now okay um are you ready to you yes. ready to induce? okay we're going to go off to sleep okay so 200 of purple fall um and 100 of sex no and flush it in so there's 200 of triple fall NIC and i see and sorry 100 of stuff flushing it in okay Let's
1: see.
2: I see fasciculation. Confirming apnea? Apnea. Okay, close off. Close are off. Okay. The airway is open. I'll be your secondary person. Okay. Cuff is up. the tube. Okay, airway is secure. Please close
1: up and right on the vent. Close up.
2: So this was a result of multiple practices and tries we had to do multiple takes we we did this really tightly scripted, and still there were times when there were deviations from the script. And so that's when Amelia you helped me understand that maybe not thinking of it as a choreography is. Maybe, maybe we should be thinking of it as something different. So would you share a couple of Yeah,
3: Sure, so I introduced this idea to Rebecca of what we call a score in dance. Unlike a musical score in which you'd maybe play a symphony from where every note is there, a score in dance is something that we choreographers use to make a dance. So for example, I'm working with my dancers, I have an idea and I'm trying to develop the work I say to them here's the score something like we're all going to start you're all going to start on the ground you're going to be soft and fluid on the ground and within the first minute or so you're going to make your way through movement to your feet and then move through each other and as you touch each other every time you get touched i need you to do this particular thing that we have choreographed then you're going to run through the space swiftly in any way that you need to and return to the center. And in the center, you're gonna do a phrase. A phrase in dance is like a sentence of a paragraph where the dance is the paragraph, a phrase is a sentence. You're gonna do that phrase that we all know. From there, we're gonna finish the score by, um, everyone moves to stage right and then makes their way slowly across the stage. That's your score. And then I'll repeat it a couple times because they're like, what, will you say that again? So the score is a way to have touch points throughout that they're working around those touch points they know, including some very specific things like the phrase, let's say, that we all know and have learned, Um, but between the touch points, they have a fluidity and nimbleness that they can work with to get from one to the next. So this is the idea of a score, and Rebecca got quite excited about this idea, idea because of the world that you live in, in part because Um, As you will see later in the talk, we really feel like once you are ready and prepared for a situation, this allows you to be more flexible, especially in an emergency situation.
2: This is true. And I'll say that thinking of what are the important critical steps that must be adhered to in a certain way. For example, the induction of general anesthesia is a very risky situation for a patient and There's not a lot of wiggle room for that once we start down that path, but ways in which we get there and ways in which we handle what comes after that can be a little bit more dynamically changing because of certain team situations, like whatever the situation is with the patient, they may need to be modified. So being too rigid and too rigidly adhering to a script was near impossible. So it really opened my eyes to the fact that thinking about which are the pieces that are so critical to maintain and we should practice those together we should coordinate and where are the places in which we could be a little bit more nimble and changeable according to the situation so that was a really powerful teaching message for me so as I go forward I'm starting to apply this to other types of situations where there could be some room for exploration or uh, learning what is the best way to handle if there if it's a practice situation if it's a sort of a simulated situation, for example, we could practice the in-betweens, those critical moments to see how can we make the processes more effective or efficient while we still have those touch points, those critical steps that are maintained. And so this was a really valuable um, paradigm for me. And again, in thinking about this, I had started by just looking at the anesthesiologist because I thought, Oh my gosh! We need all this. We that's I was narrowly focused on myself and my team, uh, my my small team to begin with, and then realized that as we tried to, as I was trying to help choreograph other team members, or where do the obstetricians come in? Where do the nurses come in? How do we all fit together? That's when this concept of a stance score became much more relevant. So, I urge you to think about uh, how could you think about your your work when you're when you're providing clinical care or even in your day, there are certain types of processes that you have to enact. Are there pieces that have to be adhered to and is there spaces in between them where there could be some more fluidity? And also how are we training together to think of ourselves not just as our, for example, anesthesia team, but how am I thinking about the MFMs, which are the maternal fetal medicine doctors, the neonatologists, the nurses, the surgical technologists, the uh obstetricians, like there's so many other members of the team. And so not not thinking of them really hampers our abilities to work together as a team and overall produce the care that we want. And so and and again just reasons why we should do this because then if we're practicing as a bigger team, then we can if we know everyone else's their 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 points where they can't deviate. So I learned recently that there were certain aspects of For example, during a cesarean delivery, I mean, I've been practicing for 15 years as as an obstetric anesthesiologist, and certain elements escaped my understanding that they were so critical, for example, the nurses or for the obstetricians. And so coming together as teams and learning what are those critical steps that cannot be interrupted is a crucial crucial way for our teams to come together. And again, practicing those so the muscle memory can kick, kick in and we can improvise if the if the situation changes. And Amelia, you have a story, I think, about this.
3: Yeah. So, this, when, when Rebecca was telling me about some of these stories, I said, Oh, wow, you know, the idea that you have your internal team, but your internal team is working with these other teams and it does matter how they work together um, reminded me of a time when we were performing, we were on tour in, in uh, Detroit and we were performing with the Detroit Symphony. Uh, And we were on a building and they were going to be outside and they have limited resources as many organizations in the arts do. And so they offered us something like two rehearsals, but one was in uh, in their theater where we just could hear them play and we were marking, which means kind of enacting the choreography, but not on the wall, marking the choreography to the music and practicing that way. But in any case, we didn't get enough time with them is the bottom line. And when the show happened and they're all set up outside and we're on the building and we're performing, we came to, let's say it was maybe, we'd finished the second section, which is a trio. And I was on wall in the trio, but I was staying on wall with my dancers as the other dancers came in for the next piece, which was a group piece. They were supposed to wait for the dancers to come in and then start the piece, but they didn't, or they didn't look up or they didn't remember or whatever happened and they went right into the next piece and we were absolutely not ready. And there was no turning back because there were, I don't know, 80 people playing the music. Um, So I felt a little nervous um, and I looked at the dancers around me who also looked alarmed. we all i said some phrase that we knew and we started that phrase together until everybody else came into the wall and they looked at us like oh my god especially at me what are we going to do and somebody called something that we all know and we went into the um pendulum section and then somebody you know i was like jump sec you know we had all these these pieces of choreography that we knew and we communicated with our eyes and our voices (laughs) we basically built the piece based on things, touch points that we knew, in front of the audience, live with the orchestra. And the funniest thing about all this, besides it being very exciting and nerve-wracking, was that when we got to the ground, many audience members came up to us and said things like, oh my gosh, you seem so connected on the wall. You're so communicative and so so wonderfully together. It was just so thrilling. (laughs) And we nodded politely and smiled. So the point is, things happen. And I imagine in emergency medicine, especially in COVID times, things are going to happen. And that to understand that you can, if you're connected and you're prepared and you're centered and ready to go, you have your touch points and you admit it's amazing, you know, amazing things can happen.
2: Yeah. I really love that. And it goes to the leadership that you exhibited and others, you know, there's the strength of the bonds of your team too. And that's the part I think I want to turn to next is that uh, we have this this idea that, you know, we need to do this, this preparation and this, you know, you need to know the steps, you need to know the pieces in order to do the work appropriately. And we need to make it a priority in healthcare that we do this as bigger teams and we review our cases together and we have more interdisciplinary and interprofessional conversations about our care and how it all fits together and what our priorities for different groups, uh, all working toward the same goal. Uh, and I also wanna share that uh, that all of this is more effective when you're centered. So we're not even talking about, remember I had talked about the stress of caring for patients while we're also worrying for ourselves I mean, we practice and we, we have the, the amount of focus we have to have to take care of a patient is enormous. And then if you're distracted by worrying about yourself and other people in your environment, it can take you off your game. And that's what we cannot afford to have right now. And so I'm going to turn to
3: Amelia. So everyone um, who is here participating in this webinar, I would like to ask you to do something with me right now um, just take a moment and sit up straight, or if you're standing, stand up straight. If you're walking, just pay attention to your steps. And I want you to take a moment to send your attention to the bottom of your feet and your sits bones, if that's relevant. And I want you to imagine a huge tree root or roots Growing from your feet and your sitz bones, if relevant, down through the chair and the floor, down through the floorboards, down through the building, down into the peaty, mossy earth underneath, which is frozen, I'm sure, in many places where you are, down even into the deep mantle and depths of the earth, super long roots, and they are holding you down and steady. They are anchoring you. Now, from this anchor, I want you to allow your spine to lengthen and find a little space between your vertebrae. Allow your occiput to be free and your head to float freely on top of your spine as you relax your belly and allow yourself to breathe deeply, nourishingly, allowing breath to come into your body, your lungs and expanding your lungs in every direction as you inhale and letting it soften and relax as you exhale. I'd like you to take two more breaths on your own Soften your eyes, soften your tongue. Then I would like you to imagine everyone who's on this webinar being connected by some kind of thread. There's probably threads shooting across the United States and some oceans. And I want us all to imagine that we create a web of threads between all of us. So we are connected with this image that we're all making in our own minds. And I'm just going to look forward at Rebecca too, who's still on there, hello, connecting with you. Okay, let's go to the next slide. So what we just did is called Anchor, Breathe, Connect. Um, I actually developed this with my sister Jenny at a talk we did at the sympos- simulation symposium at New York Health and Hospitals over a year ago. And it was the idea of taking something so simple that's known in the medical field like ABCs, but applying it to a centering practice. At Bandaloop, we start every single meeting with Anchor, Breathe Connect. And um, it's also something we do on the roof of buildings before we go on. And the idea of this is simply, it's so basic. It's about calming your nervous system down, connecting yourself to the earth and planting yourself and anchoring yourself as an image. And then from there, being able to connect to your teammates, your patient, the environment, whatever it is. So it sets you up um, basically for success. And that's I consider this to be this like fundamental and super simple practice that we can all do in all of our worlds um, to be able to basically function better. Um, One thing I mentioned uh, or talked to Rebecca about is, you know, when do you have time to do this? So I, I sometimes suggest the beginning of a meeting, but so if you're meeting your team, and you have a moment, it doesn't take long, sometimes just a minute. If you're stressed out and running from something after lunch or something, but you have a moment, you could do it then. You could also do it at the top of the day. So you find the time, but I just think that it can make a huge difference. And it is something that um, is a practice that I've been doing. And I feel like it has helped all of me, and everyone in my organization to be able to do their job better.
2: Yeah. And when I, may I share a story? I, um, I, when you told me about this, it, light bulbs went off for me because I thought this is a beautiful way of making this practice of it's it's mindfulness in a way it's it, it's deliberate connection with others um it, it's it's a way of making it explicit and deliberate and so uh it re, it re, made me remember of a time when I was in a I was in an emergency situation and I'd called everyone down to help and one of the residents was helping me and was so shaken that the job I asked her to do, she was unable to do because her hands were shaking so much and she was unable to put together. Wasn't your patient like bleeding out or something? Bleeding to death, bleeding to death. It was really awful. It was very stressful. Everyone was very stressful. And uh, and so I, in the moment, my instinct was I have to calm her down. So I gently placed my hands on her arms, And I said, you're doing a great job. Take a breath it's going to be okay. And I said, you know, I invited her, you know, look in my eyes and thank you for all you're doing. I'm grateful for you. And she did immediately calm down. And I thought, you know, I wasn't aware that this is actually what I was doing, the Anchor Breathe Connect, um, but, but it was so powerful in that moment. And then even with patients, I recalled one time when uh, a patient was really uh, upset and worried. And I did something similar. And now uh, after hearing Amelia talk about this, I feel like I have words and a process for helping my team become centered, for helping other people become centered myself as well. That really was really powerful. So thank you for that. Did you wanna share the story you told me?
3: So my my story around this um, that came up when Rebecca and I were working together, Ben Loop was in um, Rovereto, had the pleasure of being in Rovereto, Italy, you're performing in the atrium of a museum, uh, live music, production, and live music and production puts a certain pressure on us on an emergency situation, but there are cues and lights and timing and so on and so forth, and the nature of what we do, it makes it very tricky because you're managing safety the whole time, and in our world, we have uh, understandings about if something goes wrong, you can always, safety is always first, so even if there's a queue or production, you can call an all-stop. Um, and, uh, so we have that in our mind, but we are all trying, of course, to do a show safely. And I was waiting at the top of the wall, three quarters of the way through the show. One of the other dancers had finished a piece in a different area and she was making her way swiftly from that end of that piece across the floor, up some stairs, up to the third or fourth floor, wherever we were to make our entrance for the next piece that we were going to do. And she I was already clipped in and ready at the top of the wall, connected to my equipment um, and checked. And she came running in and she put on her equipment, she, her face was very red, she was sweating. She obviously was still breathing because she'd been running up the stairs. She was super excited because she's such an amazing dancer. And she's been thrilled by this, <laughs> I think, by the whole situation. Um, but and, and she literally turned to start getting onto the wall. And I said, Whoa, Stop! stop, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. And I said, I haven't even checked you. You know, we're very strict about our checks. She stopped and she's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I checked her. Um, and I still felt like she was just not in her body and not totally focused and concerned me. So I said, wait a minute, we're going to stop. We're going to take three deep breaths together. Maybe we held hands. I can't remember, but we, and I said, look me in the eye we calmed down, we looked in the eye, and then I said, are you ready now? She said, yes, thank you, that was good, or whatever. We went on the wall, and we performed our piece, I hope beautifully, I can't remember, Um, but her exit was a, what's called a penduluming rappel, so she's lowering herself while she's rappelling down the building to the, or the wall to the ground, and she did this a little dy- extra dynamically which was beautiful but when she got to the ground she touched down but she was slightly off balance and she backed up and fell into a metal garbage can and hit her head we were wearing white costumes and i saw blood and i have never seen blood the whole time of 30 years of bandaloop and it scared me and she because she hit her head she bled on her white costume she bled on my white costume and I had their people right there, riggers and technicians, they took her, she said, I'm fine, I'm totally fine. I was like, are you okay? The technician said, she's fine, go to wherever I was going that maybe the bows, I can't even remember. But my thought is, had we not, and she was fine, had we not stopped, what would have happened? And I think back on that many times, she's one of my dearest friends, um, so it was my moment of where this kind of thing can make a big difference.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. All right. Let's see.
3: So um, agreements. Let's talk about them. The thing about agreements that Rebecca and I have been talking about is, you know, how do you set yourself up to be able to play that score and be ready for it. Um, In my world with students, as well as the dancers, as well as the riggers and staff, we do something called, you know, we make agreements and they are about how we interact with one another and they are co-authored by everyone involved. They set the situation up so that we know how to behave with one another and that we all buy into them. They are things like when you're going to say something on the radio, you give a direction on the radio, you have a closed loop communication where you say, are we rigged and ready to go at top of wall C? And the rigger comes back and said, top of wall C, ready to go copy, right? You don't just go, yeah, you you make sure that detailed information is there and you've closed the loop. Um, It's a way that allows for, you know, this is just an
2: example of an agreement.
3: Rebecca, why don't you,
2: yeah, and I love this. So in, in in addition to be able to do anchor, breathe, connect with people, that should be agreed upon ahead of time, I think, uh, as a way to really make it okay for people to help each other be ready and focused, uh, centered for the care that they're providing and that you're providing, that other people can help you also. And this really fosters these these concepts of being uh, inclusive to people. And And because as Amelia has stressed, It has to be agreed upon together. It is co-created. It's not coming top down. That's different. That's a rule set and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a brainstorm, an agreement. Everybody is chipping in and chiming in. So it's very democratic in that way. And I think that allowing for this democratic egalitarian process of how do we interact with each other really fosters the respect, the curiosity that for example, Center for Medical Simulation has made their life's mission. Uh, it, it I think it does work to chip away at this brittle hierarchy that really can lead teams to be dysfunctional, especially when not all members are functioning at their best because of whatever stresses that everybody else is carrying with them, uh, or or perhaps missteps, or you know lack of information. All of these other things that are we're vulnerable to, especially when we have these added layers of PPE and all the other things that we have to think about um, in, in, in them. So thinking about agreements, what kinds of agreements do you have with your teams? And I, again, Amelia and I would encourage you, I think I speak for you too, Amelia, maybe, uh, is that think about how you set your teams up to connect with each other, to have these agreements ahead of time, evaluate and try, would it work for you to set a rule about speaking up, with each other, and again, not rule coming top down, but something that you talk about openly and agree upon altogether, together. That this is this is if people speak up, how is that handled uh, with openness, curiosity, respect? Is that about right, Amelia? Do you have other things to? Um... Yeah, no, I think that's
3: that's really great. Um, I think we could. I think we can move on. Okay.
2: Good. So then we have just a few practical tips, um, and so we wanted to just sort of recap and give you things, food for thought for later as, as a way to think about what are action steps that we would recommend for you. Uh, so one of the things is really to think about how do we take a breath in the moment? How do we notice how other people are modulating their own emotions, how are our emotions? I think being mindful in the moment, this is something that has come for, for me from years of deliberate practice, thinking about practicing emergencies, being involved in emergencies, And and so I think it is something that people can become more aware of. And it is so critical to to the best functioning of of a team that we can be. And thinking about how we can help other people stay focused and centered. The second part about identifying these touch points or critical moments where you have to have the care follow a series of steps, but also allow for some nimbleness in between where there could be some fluidity. So as we practice, as teams, as small teams, as larger teams, uh, comprehensive teams, thinking about elaborating what is everybody's, uh, what are everybody's sets of touch points that they need to adhere to so we can also be mindful of where other people are and where they shouldn't be interrupted in the process.
3: Um, As a dancer, I wanted to really emphasize uh, when watching Rebecca's video earlier, where the woman the, there, I think the I don't even know if it's a woman, is covered yeah. in all this stuff, and, I, and 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 apparently there's air coming in shh, as well that you can't possibly hear each other uh, very well, at least. And so, I just wanted to emphasize the fact that simply, you know, body language is so simple. <laughs> Did you hear me? to to remember that body language can be very helpful to the point where like in band loop if you're slightly hurt on the wall we have a sign if there's an all stop we actually have a sign for all stop which helps because um except for the visually impaired which that's a whole other thing that that can be very helpful and very quick as a way of communication so i just wanted to remind people of the body language piece and then the closed loop communication the difference between being, uh, you know, saying something, someone listening to you and hearing you are, you know, those are all different steps. So that to know they heard what you said and comprehended it and close the loop on the communication is, is, is critical. The other thing I just want to reinforce because it came late in the, in the talk was the idea of these agreements. And beside the fact that it sets up a shared culture before you move into a dynamic and fast moving environment, Additionally, I think that it, it uh, engages people to feel um, as they are empowered because they co-authored those agreements and they know that the group all was there together, it gives them agency and I suspect in the world of medicine, this brittle hierarchy or the issue of like, can I tell the fancy position that he or she you know, did it wrong or forgot something. I, I don't know how that goes, but I imagine that if you do
2: agreements, it will help soften those hierarchies. I think so and build trust and trust is so fundamental to all of the work that we do. If we don't trust each other, then it's really hard to perform the types of work that we do. So just to pull it all together, I just wanna help wrap up and uh, share some final thoughts. So hopefully we shared some ideas you and we have your brain percolating a little bit on how you prepare your team for emergency care. So thinking about using ABC as a way to uh, start out the day, to prepare for the work for the day, thinking about agreements with the teams, thinking about the work as a dance score with touch points and where can your teams actually uh, have some room to improvise or create the work or understand the work better or make it it more efficient uh, or effective. And then in the moment, how do you stay tuned in to yourself, your patients, your emotions, your team? Um, And that's really where this taking a breath is such a powerful technique to modulate emotions and catechols and all those things. So, um, Amelia, do you have final I just wanted
3: to add for the dance score piece that that, that I imagine improvisation is something that would scare somebody in a medical situation. And I'm not suggesting that you try to do a surgery in your own particular way, but that it allows you to be responsive to what is going on, that you have learned something and you know how it's supposed to go. And I know you simulate and practice, but that things happen. And so it's about if you're centered and you have the touch points, you have a concept that you're like, I'm going to hold those touch points that are secure, but I'm going to allow for, uh, to respond to what's actually happening in the room.
2: So thank you again. Uh, we'd love to have questions. And if you have thoughts that you would like to share later with us, here are email addresses. We'd love to hear from you because as we explore these concepts, I think we, we'd love to hear feedback on them and how it how it's relevant to you and how you see it fitting into your work. So thank you so much. And Amelia, do you have final words?
3: No, just pleasure to be here. And I'd be curious uh, if anyone had any questions, we're happy to answer them, but I'm just very happy to have the opportunity to work with you, Rebecca, and you, Jenny, and everybody at CMS. It's been really a pleasure.
1: Rebecca and Amelia, thank you so much. Um, Like to just start with a a couple questions and and then I imagine we may have some more coming in as well. So um, one thing that um, I think people are curious about is you clearly gave a lot of thought to this question of balance balancing agreements and preparation with dynamic improvisation and connection in the moment. And I can imagine that there's some art to the right combination of that. And you've illustrated that a bit through some stories. Uh, But I wonder if you could just talk to us a little bit more, uh, perhaps from each of your unique perspectives, about how preparation, agreement, and predetermined steps interact with improvisation and maybe I'll start with you Rebecca and then go to Amelia
2: so I'm thinking about uh, the the agreements that I think um, that I've tried to apply with my teams or try to encourage with my teams it's uh, have been the rules around speaking up and um, and again I say rules but I, I want to you know it is it is sort of all of us are agreeing together that these are that these are the uh, the the boundaries that we're gonna we're gonna foster with each other. So the um, uh, listening to speaking up, including ideas, you know, trying to prioritize ideas and and working towards to really broaden our ability to tell what the situation really is, because not one person can have all of the the eyes on everything. Um, thinking about the how do we build that in? I think it's really just fundamental to then trying to apply to any work that the team does. So for example, thinking about the emergency cesarean delivery under general anesthesia, it's a very time limit. We only have like five minutes to get the patient back, to get all of our stuff on, to get all the, so identifying the critical steps and not necessarily scripting out, like for example, person A, you go to the PPE cart first and then as soon as you're done, person B goes, it's too much. So thinking about how, you know, allowing for some space to allow for them to figure out how is it best for them to put on their PPE and get them get themselves safe but then we all have to meet in the room by X amount of time allows for some improvisation for them to kind of try to uh, figure out how how that work is best done. And then uh, and then I think I think the improvisation comes maybe in the practicing too where, If we know what all the teams, what each team's critical moments are, then maybe we can't necessarily, um, you know, like bring up concepts or ask a lot of questions when, for example, the obstetricians have this critical time period where they've just delivered the baby, they're trying to close the uterus, they're trying to assess for bleeding and tone and how's the baby and all that stuff like that's not the time for me to necessarily ask my series of the five questions that I usually ask, but there are other things that I can do to build in. And so working with them and knowing what are the critical moments for them is really the, the goal. So that if there is a, a situation where I can't ask, you know, in the very next moment there, there I have backup plans and I have ways that I can um, adapt to the situation. I hope that answers what you were asking.
1: Yeah, so I'm just going to summarize uh, what I'm hearing from you, Rebecca. That some of the social and clinical norms or agreements you tend to set those in advance, such as if you see something, say something. Please let me know. And this moment when I'm intubating the patient and creating, in an, uh, you know, putting the patient to sleep, I need to concentrate. And that moment when you're taking the baby out in the C-section is a moment that you need to concentrate. So some pre-agreements around how do we interact and and when do we give each other space, for example, clinically uh, seems important and then we can improv around that. That's what I think I'm hearing. Yes, yes, that's accurate. And then Amelia, I think um, I'm not sure whether to characterize it as a tension or a synergy between agreements and preparation and improvisation, uh, but I wonder if you have some thoughts on you know, what are the most potent ways for us to think about that as we try to create safety in teams, safety and excellence in teams? Yeah, um, it's, it,
3: to me, I feel like <clears throat> there's something, there's a feeling as dancers that we have when we are ready enough and bring to bear enough skill, enough focus and enough attention that you you know this feeling you're like ready to go and with that feeling you have the ability to do things like your peripheral vision is very good so you sense the whole room which can mean in your environment probably like wow that nurse is freaking out you know maybe somebody should go calm her down or him down um, peripheral vision to be able to take things in um, the ability to kind of hyper focus or do really good uh, ability to focus. And in my world, it is also about being expressive or creative. And I I think that in the medical world, I imagine it's not expressive and creative, but it is probably excellent with your tools or excellent with the the way that you're intubating that's even smoother than you did last time. Um, So it's about how you actualize your practice, something like that. So it's being excellent. So the relationship is, Quite, it's not a tension at all. In fact, it is this opening. It's a way of feeling really expansive and ready and available and sensitive um, for the environment and enable and, and to also focus and be excellent at what you're doing.
1: So Amelia, if I could sort of share what I'm taking away there that might be valuable so much, of course, but As we think about excellence in clinical care, we need to really think about collective competence, connection, interprofessional perception, and um, utilizing and sensing what each other need and also what we can offer the moment. So it's not a a solo sport, it's a team sport, um, something like that.
3: Yeah, and 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 what I say in Band Loop all the time when we do we teach classes all the time is that safe that our safety culture is based on the idea that there are no experts, even though there are people who are very good at rigging. That there's no anyone can speak up, and that the only way you create safety in our world and in 30 years Band Loop's never had a serious accident. Knock on wood, is that you create this web of everybody, and that that is how safety happens and excellent happens is that we are aware that we are all together as a web of safety and it's by no means a single person who who could possibly know it all or see it all or catch it all
1: fantastic damien would uh you like to get in here i'd love to hear anything on your mind as an emergency physician or otherwise
0: yeah uh, thank you jenny i i have a bit of a reflection and maybe a question and uh, first of all it's appreciation for uh, Rebecca and Amelia your presentation the topic and what it's made me think about. Um, I think a reflection briefly I have a parallel Amelia to your story of the uh, what could have been a really terrible disaster but only turned out to be a small scalp laceration I, I think and then to to Rebecca your idea around speaking up and help seeking I think an example of of that kind of a success for me is when a central venous catheter is being inserted and after three or four attempts, the residents or physician assistants do come out and say, hey, Damien, can you give us a hand? And and then it gets sorted out with a little guidance or maybe even some hands-on, but that what could have turned into an arterial puncture or Multiple attempts in vain didn't, and so I think that's um that makes sense, and so and and so therefore, my next thought was uh, you know, because as a simulation educator, we frequently find teams who think they had suboptimal performance, there's always some kind of gap they'd like to do better. Sometimes it's we weren't really that well connected, we didn't uh, we weren't in sync. Now, I this Anchor, Breathe, Connect is potentially a prescription for, well, in the next case, or when you go back to your native environment, this is something you could do in the moment. And so that's my question for both of you is advice for me. Like, I love the idea. I now feel much less helpless to the resigning myself to an ad hoc team that doesn't have that Low, but how do I sort of bring that up to say, hey, before we go into that, let's anchor, breathe, connect, without them looking at me like I'm some uh, hippie back from Pomona.
2: <laughs> so I would actually like to ask, have Amelia answer this: How do you how do you introduce the concept of agreements to your teams? Because maybe that's what you know, and 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 could how how would somebody introduced this because I'm much more novice about it than you. Uh, Uh, So what are your strategies? Great
3: question. And you know, being from California, but, um, I think it actually goes back to the agreement. You ask the team, would you mind, you know, would you mind if we do this one? I tend to say to people who aren't used to it. Can I, can I have a minute? I think I actually did it before this talk. I said, may I have a minute? of your time, you know, it's something like that. So they're like, okay, I can commit a minute to whatever nutty thing you wanna do or whatever. So I ask as an agreement and then they say, yes, so that helps. And then the second, and then I just say, let's take a moment to center ourselves or something like that, cause it will help, you know? And, and frankly, I think that Jenny and I, when we thought of the ABC idea, the whole point was to pick something that is sort of familiar to people in the medical field Um, We're going to do a different kind of ABCs, you might say. May have a minute of your time. We're going to do a different kind of ABCs. It's a way to center the team really swiftly. And so that it doesn't seem like this big meditation you're about to go into or something greater. And in fact, um, in Bandaloo, people have been using the ABCs um, at every meeting, but they're doing all kinds of variations as to, you know, what is your anchor? Breathing tends to be breathing and how they connect Um, use imagery for connection and you can make it so simple stand straight take three deep breaths look at each other boom go you know it doesn't have to be particularly yogic or something if you don't want it to be
0: that resonates because i i remember recently i started uh rounding in our observation unit with a with a moment of gratitude and i just said bear with me let's try something new yes and so i think picking up on your suggestion amelia i could now see myself doing something similar uh, perhaps mid-shift or to to defibrillate or resuscitate a team that <laughs> needs to be connecting. Because I think that's, that's the opportunity for any of us to recognize, hmm, this team could use a little more connection. This moment could use that. Let's try it. I hope you guys take this idea further and uh, looking forward to learning more about it and seeing it in practice. I'm quite inspired. Great. So Jenny, I'm I don't know if you have any closing words here. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll then um, get us to, uh, to our landing for the okay. top of the next hour.
1: Well Amelia and Rebecca, I particularly enjoyed the, connection and interdependence that I observed between you as you carried out this webinar together. I loved how you asked each other questions, listened, guided each other. And I think the medium uh, demonstrated the message. So I really appreciated that and so appreciate the content throughout. Uh, I can see a number of wonderful things to apply in my own work. So thank you so much. Thank
0: you. Our pleasure. such an honor, yeah. I echo the sentiment. I thank you very much. I thank uh, the participants for joining live and also those of you who are joining on our recorded session. Please do stay in touch. You have the speaker's contact information and you can also reach us on Twitter, uh, which is a pleasure to, to visit these days. So do reach us there. Also join us at the Center for for Medical Simulation for several of our online courses that are available to you. We are excited about a space learning opportunity that goes on for seven weeks around feedback. Um, Starting March 8th, our healthcare simulation essentials courses are online while we manage through the pandemic. And um, we're also very interested in connecting and working with you and your teams on a um, specialized curriculum and consulting and Mary Faye, myself, the rest of the team are available. So do reach out and also come back. Um, for the rest of January and through February, we're fortunate to have the international meeting for simulation and healthcare that is online and several of our courses that are running uh, in the coming weeks. And we'll be back for our next weekly webinar early in March, and we look forward to seeing you there. Until then, stay in touch and don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you, everyone. Be safe, be well. Good night.
1: Thank you, Damien. Thank you.